Sports Betting Preview Podcast from Pregame.com. Pregame.com. Broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip. Vegas, baby. With your host, R.J. Bell. I saw him on ESPN. Can I call Marco Daddy? VR seems wild. Arkansas at Georgia. Marco, what should batters be thinking about? The question here is how good is Arkansas? They have not been tested yet. Two cupcakes, number 12 ranking in the country. We're going to find out this week how good they are. And they've got a big game. Slow down, slow down. We don't ask questions. We answer (laughs) them. How good are they? What should batters be looking at? I'm looking at the game that Arkansas does have talent, and I think they are going to be a top 15 team at the end of the year. What concerns me the most about this game is, even though this is a big game, they're playing Georgia, it's on ESPN, they've got a monster game next week. It doesn't get any bigger. They're at home to Alabama next week. Are they really? See, we have this debate all the time. And we always will. (laughs) When there's a big game... You all say, well, this team's more motivated. I think at a certain point, you're as motivated as you can get. Now, you're talking about somehow that they're going to be looking ahead on ESPN game, Arkansas-Georgia. Those teams aren't going to be 100% focused? They're going to be focused, RJ, but you've got to understand that these kids are young kids. They're 20s. If they win this game, that's great. But they're thinking about knocking off the national champs next week. There's no question about it. You can't help, but when you've got the national champs on your schedule, a high-profile school like Alabama, and you have that game in your backyard, you're looking forward to that. I can tell you they've been looking forward to that game since they started spring practice. All right. Interesting. Now, here's what jumps out at me. Is Georgia overrated? This team has only covered four of 16 games in conference. Most of us remember that game against Hawaii a few years ago, and I think it was the Sugar Bowl, just total domination. Next year they can't top three. Maybe they were number one in some polls. Big disappointment. Let's think about this. Over 16 games, you've got over two years of conference games that this team has. It's not eight out of 16. It's not nine. It's not four. They're winning 25% ATS or conference games. I think it was just a general Georgia. You know, we talk about Notre Dame being marquee, talk about, you know, high state, USC. But there's a second tier of marqueedness, and it's, sometimes it's regional marqueedness. And I think Georgia falls into that. I mean, all the way back to Vince Dooley and the eight and Herschel Walker. I think his teams are slightly overrated. And in general, I look to fade them whenever I can. Do you agree with that? I agree in theory with what you're saying, but what I'm going to point out, and I touched upon it in the Cincinnati video we did earlier, you're talking about a team, Georgia, that in the last few years have been extremely highly ranked. And with that comes larger point spreads. We're dealing with a game here, like we did in Cincinnati, where we're looking at basically pick the winner. We're not dealing with a point spread. So it's a little bit of a different handicap when you just have to win the game rather than win the game and carry that big number with it. So you're saying that that Georgia isn't built to blow teams out, but they're built to win close games? It's just a mindset that a lot of coaches 
their job is to win. Look at their straight-up records in that. Uh, and, I would make the case. You make a good point. I agree with you. You should profile coaches. We talk about a high state and how they're, they're, they're better in close games. They don't really blow teams out. You know, high state has that sweet spot against good teams. They don't blow out the bad teams. They don't do real well against the elite teams, but against good teams like Miami of Florida, which I was wrong. I actually, as the week progressed, I really leaned towards Miami in that game. That's how I profile a high state. They're, 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 they're good except against great teams or bad teams. They're good against the good teams. Georgia, I, I, I mean, they've underperformed both ATS and straight up against the polls. So, so I'm not sure I agree with you there, but I do agree with profiling the teams. Okay, one other point that I'm going to let you make your projection on the game. Arkansas can throw the ball. The scouts are saying this Arkansas quarterback's not so bad, you know, better than average. Georgia has three new starters in the secondary. So I think at a matchup level, Arkansas's ability to pass might be an advantage for them. But let's, let's hear your projection. This, of all the videos we're doing this week, this was one of the toughest ones. I'm going to give the narrowest of edges to Georgia in this game, 24-20. Um, I think we are getting a little bit of line value in the game because of Georgia's performance last week on TV. The public got to see them play South Carolina. They happened to be the noon game last Saturday. South Carolina just totally shut them down. They looked pathetic offensively. They scored six points. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead, look for them to bounce back at home and play into the fact that Arkansas does have that big game next week. If they are just looking just slightly ahead, I'm going to lean to Georgia here in a narrow 24-20. Okay. Now, here's the thing is most lines are correct. So I like when, to me, if you had a strong opinion on every game, as a viewer, I would really question what's going on. The, the odds makers wrong every time. If anything, five, at least half, if not more, of the games should be within a point or two of the line because that's that's why it's the line. These guys, these odds makers aren't dumb. No reason to feel bad about that. Not having, avoiding a loser is better than winning a game because you're paying juice on the loser. So don't be shy to say, hey, the line's right. And even in those cases, we're giving the guys out there a chance to think about factors for their own handicap. When I say value, to uh, elaborate on that, had Georgia looked anywhere decent or won last week's game, they would have been over the field goal in this game. They would have been three and a half. Because of last week's performance, you got them under the field goal right now. Now, as the week progresses, that can change, but that's where I'm talking value-wise. All right. Now it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comments section with Marco and me. And next up, we're talking Florida at Tennessee. Florida at Tennessee. Marco, what you betters be looking at? Can Tennessee possibly be as bad as they looked last week? I say no, and I'll explain why. They got drilled last week, 48-13 to 13 against Oregon. One thing in that game that if you weren't watching, you may not be aware of, they jumped out 6 nothing in the game. Crowd was in the game. They had to delay that game for an extended period of time because of lightning. That just took the crowd... Totally out of the. I mean, when you're all pumped up Saturday night and everything, they came back from that delay, and it was like, you know, calling a timeout in basketball when the other team's mm-hmm. on a run. Tennessee lost the momentum. Oregon got in it, got back into the game. It still was a game that was nip and tuck into the halftime, but then a couple key plays, a turnover, and a special teams play broke the game open. 
and then Tennessee collapsed. Okay, so one of the concepts we try to touch on is going deeper than the score. Um, so you're saying in this case, for the reasons you just ticked off, that Tennessee is not as bad as the score indicated last week. Now, when you're only in week two or week game two or game three of a season, each score takes on uh, inordinate importance, extreme too much importance might be the easiest way to say it. Thus, if you can find a team that in one of their two games had a misleading score, you might get some real value. If you can find a team that had two misleading scores, you can get some real value. So you're saying Tennessee, misleading score, they're better than they look, value Tennessee. Absolutely. And then take it to the other side, they're playing Florida. Florida was a team that last week a lot of wise guys were on the opposite side of Florida last week. They liked the dog against Florida. Uh, they were playing South Florida last week, and Florida ended up winning. So we always talk about gamblers that when they lose a game, they have a bad taste in their mouth. So right now, Tennessee's at their lowest point that you could have in the public's view, and people that stepped in front of Florida last week now feel bad and say, this Florida team is better than we thought, so they're putting them higher on the pedestal, and I think it makes the perfect storm to grab the home dog here. Overrated team, underrated team. All right. Now, you said wise guys were fading Florida last week. Was it wise guys or the public? Let me rephrase. A lot of other handicappers. Which is that. And that's an interesting point. You've got the Sharps here in Vegas. You've got the handicapping community, which a lot of these guys are trend players and, and a lot of people are on the same game, and, and there's that, that consensus-type big play on a handful of teams each week. And then you've got the public, which oftentimes are on the same games as the handicappers, but other times are on the more square games, the more, uh, more you know, marquee teams. Yeah. When I talk about other handicappers, and to elaborate for a second, you never can have enough knowledge. We always talk about that. Knowledge is, is power. And I will take time after I've done all of my own handicapping that I'll read through a lot of different publications, other handicappers, because sometimes you can see something, somebody, one little nugget you pick up in somebody's write-up of something you didn't think of on a game can trigger yeah, I mean, something. that's one of the whole concepts of the forum is uh, at pregame.com, we've got the forums at pregameforums.com, you can go mm-hmm. directly. And we've got hundreds of people putting up picks. And what I think ends up happening is people end up having three, four, five, six cappers they like. Might be three of them are free and two of them are pros. Mm -hmm. And each week they're aggregating that information and deciding what to do with it. Others just have one guy they love and they follow them blindly. So it's all kind of approaches. I totally agree with what you're saying. Now let me make a point, though, about... Florida that, that leans towards Florida. They're on the road, which in college it means more than pros for two reasons. One, in college, the home team has more uh, excitement. There's, there's a more, it's a collegiate atmosphere. They're going nuts. It used to be like that even 10 years ago in the pros. Not so as much, but close. The pro, new pro stadiums, and Bill Simmons talks about this at ESPN, has, has taken the crowd out of a lot of, you know, other than Minnesota, New Orleans, a few domes. The crowd's out of a lot of these games. So typically in college, there's more of a home field, and the travel is more detrimental 
to the road team in college. They're not professionals. They don't have the, the same quality travel, the same organizational, the ops aren't organized as much. I think Florida is a team, because of the continuity of the coach being there for so long, the professionalism of the program, that they travel better than most. And the stats back that up. They've covered 11 of 14 ATS on the road. So I don't know how that goes into your mix. Well, I can't disagree with anything you said there. I'm going to play the game based on the value that we have, and I feel it's an inflated number. Florida will win this ball game, but I think it's going to be closer than people think. I actually have it Florida winning 24-16, to 16, but I'm going to take Tennessee in the two touchdowns and say that they stay under the number. We're, we're close to a key number here. Would you recommend waiting to game time? Hope it. Now, here's the thing. If you're at 14, you've got equal risk on both sides. If it goes to 13 and a half, you're losing a key number. If it goes to 14 and a half, you're gaining a key number if you're playing the dog. It's, it's, if the line right now was 13 and a half, it'd be a lot easier to say wait. Absolutely. What's your recommendation on that? On this point, being that the line opened at 15 and has come to 14, I'm going to grab the 14 now. And what I always use as my barometer of what I'm going to do, grab the play, is if the number that it moves against me, the half a point, creates a loser for me, I'm going to buy it at the, at the number it is now. Right now, you say I'm buy, you're going to bet it. I'm going to bet it at the 14 because I may not win the bet, but I won't lose the bet if it falls on 14. And it seems like there's two reasons to hate losers. One, you are paying the juice, so you lose 1.1 instead of one unit. And, but number two, the psychology of it. I'm assuming for you, a conservative dude, it's big chunks of psychology. You don't want to lose a game you could have pushed. Right, exactly. My gut feeling on that would be that the sh- clearly it seems like the Tennessee moves a legitimate early sharp position. I, I'd be hard-pressed to think Florida uh, doesn't get the money come Saturday. I might, if I was, were playing this game, which I'm not, I might wait and try to get to 14 and a half. Last question as we go out here. Kiffin, coach last year, Tennessee, gone now. A lot of problems, a lot of intensity. Is Florida extra motivated here, even though Kiffin's not there, but many of the same players are, to, to, to get revenge for all the talk from last year? I would say no, because I think that was something that was personal more with Urban Meyer and, and Kiffin than doing it with the players. You know, Those two coaches just... They didn't like one another. <laughs> There's no question about that. Okay, now it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comments section with Marco and me. And next up we have Notre Dame at Michigan State. For the best deals from trusted sportsbooks, visit yeah. pregameaction.com. Notre Dame at Michigan State, ABC Saturday night. Marco, what should betters be looking at? Can Notre Dame, with the new coaching staff, bounce back off their first tough loss? And it was a gut-wrenching loss. I think they do, and I'll tell you the reasons why. Michigan State, they haven't played anybody yet. Uh, they're undefeated, but they played you know, two teams that they barely broke a sweat against. Notre Dame, even sitting at 1-1, one one, has played two good teams. I mean, decent teams. They opened up with Purdue and then had a Michigan team, another Big Ten school, Actually, both games were Big Ten schools, but they had a you know just an explosive offense. And even though Michigan went up and down the field Saturday, Notre Dame kept their composure for that game, lost their starting quarterback after the first series, got hit with a concussion, came back late in the game, 
but they stayed within it, found the chance to to win a game that they were totally dominated in, took the lead with two minutes left in the game, and then unfortunately the heroics. All right, so, so we're getting too detailed. Notre Dame last week's performance increases their um, standing in your eyes? They do for me because he didn't lose. This team well, I, I don't, yeah. I'm, the, Notre yes. Dame's better this week than you thought last week. Yes. Even though they didn't cover the spread. Even though they didn't cover the spread. They showed me character at different points in that game. Okay. Now, we talked about in the Kansas game that for a new coaching staff, the first road game is there's a lot of uh, variables associated with that that makes the, the newness of the coaching staff even more of a detriment. Um, that would seem to be the case here with Notre Dame. First game on the road for a new staff. Uh, it would be... Um in regards to the Kansas game, it was a team also making a short trip because they were going on a Friday, so they lose a yeah, day. Yeah, but we're not talking about we're not talking about who's more extreme: the Kansas uh, first-year coaching uh, negative versus Notre Dame. We're saying it that let's identify this as a because here's the thing: we can't forget. You can like a side. There might be twenty variables that are pro Notre Dame in this game and 14 that are pro-Michigan State, and when you add them all up, you like Notre Dame enough to make a play on them. Mm-hmm. It, what we don't want to do is whitewash the variables on each side. So would we agree that Notre Dame having a first-year coach, the first road game is a negative? Yes. All right. So, again, you're adding all these factors up to come to your projection. We want the, the viewers out there and the listeners to... to to decide on these variables for themselves and add it up for themselves. How? What is it? Because they might have perspectives on this game. We don't. That's the whole point, acquiring these perspectives. Now, Notre Dame, 3 of 13 ATS. I pre, they're, the, they're the poster team for an overrated premium team, marquee, that, that you pay an extra price because of the rabid fan base. I, I don't think I've ever played Notre Dame, to be honest. I always <laughs> fade them. Not every game I fade them, but if I bet them, I fade them. 3 of 13 speaks that it's been working. You like them enough here to go against that. Yeah, and I'm bucking an even bigger number. You talk about you know the 3 of 13. I'm guessing that that's their last X number of games. I'm going to give you a stat. The Michigan State has dominated Notre Dame. 2 of 13. I have 12 and 3 the last 15 Michigan State is against Notre Dame. So this is a a series that Michigan State has played them well. Again, and I hate to make it a recurring theme, but again, you got to go back and look at the games, look at what the lines were and look at what you're dealing with here. In a lot of those games, Michigan again Michigan State and Notre Dame, Notre Dame's going to be a favorite in most of those games. Uh, last year they were ten and a half point favorite at South Bend, and if these two teams have a history of you know playing dog fights in you know close games and whatever, the dog's gonna cover. And if Notre Dame's always the favorite, they're not gonna cover. Now you've got Notre Dame, third dog here, so we're getting the points. I think Michigan State's a little bit counterfeit. We I may be proved wrong after this week because this is their first test. Now let's. Let's think about this. I, you, and I have a point, actually, to back up your Notre Dame side in a second. Michigan State has played two games. None of them have been super tough. Maybe they've gone vanilla somewhat. 
clearly they've been thinking about Notre Dame's played two tough games. No way were they thinking about Michigan State before the Michigan game. No. So you would think that three tough games to start the year, first road game against a team that's at home that hasn't really played tough games would be a big advantage to Michigan State. Could it be that the reason that Michigan State has only lost two of 13 ATS, and you've got a slight variation on that, could be they take this game more seriously? Is Notre Dame is one of the bigger games, certainly their biggest non-conference game most year, and for Notre Dame it's one of many big games that they have. And if so, would that change this week when Notre Dame's off Michigan? It'd be hard to imagine that they are more concerned about this game. Isn't there a motivational edge for Michigan State? There's always going to be a motivational edge for Michigan State playing Notre Dame. Maybe that's why they're two, 13 or 11 and 2. But coming off the loss and the fact that they lost last year, or excuse me, almost lost last year in South Bend is a 10.5 point dog. They're going to be focused. I mean, you got to, it's another angle that I like. Whenever teams play series, you know, year, every mm-hmm. year, if the home team is a big favorite, and they barely win the previous year, and then they're playing the, at the other p- opponent's site the following year, Okay, and it's a small line, I'm going to look to the team that barely won because the public's going to look at that and say, well, Jesus, if they only lost, and no pun intended to Notre Dame there with the Jesus reference, but if they only lost by three at Notre Dame, they should come back home this year and beat them easily. Now, you do that in college basketball, but it's usually intra-season. Do you mm-hmm. find it to be just as applicable? I mean, what percentage of the public's looking at last year's line? Well, people should. But, but whoa, it, people should do a lot of things, but you're talking about that last year's results are going to have an effect on this year's public perception, and I'm questioning, it. I think that's probably more valid in basketball. It might be valid with the marquee teams like Notre Dame, but in general, I mean, we've talked about in the KU Southern Miss game, how many people are really thinking about last year's performance between the or matchup between these two teams not as much as the basketball because the basketball is in season but i would say maybe 20 percent of your handicappers will go back and look at that and look at the lines i feel it's something that should be a part of your daily checklist when you're doing no doubt no doubt real quick michigan state coach d'antonio was at cincinnati directly before cali did you know that I do believe yes or no. now, now that yes you say or no. it, I remember. Right. I remember it, yes. I don't think you knew that. <laughs> is, and now here's the thing. Kelly comes in, all the game tape he's watching is from D'Antonio's team getting ready for his team. Clearly that's going to be an advantage, I think, for Notre Dame. That coach can be very familiar with the way D'Antoni does stuff, watching years of tape getting ready for that job. That said, you beat me for a nickel last week. And we'll, I'll be paying you off during your best bet segment. Let's go up with the head-to-head there, Dustin. I'm challenging you on that. Well, you got a projection on this. Give us the projection. I've got Notre Dame winning the game 27-21. Okay. I'm ready to take Michigan State for my nickel back. Bring it on. I, you know I'm, I've hit the first two games involving Notre Dame this year. I'm, I'm undefeated with Notre Dame. That's a yes? That's a yes. That's an emphatic yes. All right. Now it's your turn to join the conversation. In the comments section, you can talk to Marco and me. And next up, we're moving to the NFL. 
Patriots at Jets. This is our game of the week, which means we talk even deeper about this game. And it's Marco's best bet free pick of the week. Marco, what should betters be thinking about in this game? Well, I'm going to give out the warning right now. This is the knee-jerk game of the week for the public, trap game of the week, whatever moniker you want to put on it. The public will run to the New England Patriots this week and be betting it with both fists, and it's wrong. Dead-ass wrong. All right, so let me guess. Here's why you think it's going to happen is we know that the, 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 the public bets what they see. And especially there's a, you know, there's a technical term, there's a, the immediacy bias. The things you see most immediately are what you feel strongest about. While in truth, those aren't as, as important as people make them out to be. Monday Night Football gets the highest viewership. Thus, if you see a bad result, the public overreacts. If you see a good result, public overreacts. Jets look bad. Patriots look good on Sunday. And I might add that not only was Baltimore Jets the Monday night game, but New England-Cincinnati was the national feed for CBS. A lot of people saw the Pats look good. A lot of people saw the Jets look bad. Absolutely. And they're going to draw that conclusion, and the public already has taken this game. It opened up at the Jets at 1. This game has moved to New England minus 1. And I can tell you... And remember, early moves are sharp moves. Er Except this might be a situation... And we talk about it when early moves are sharp moves, but sharps have two agendas, potentially. One is take a position. One is get ahead of a move. I could very well see them thinking this game is going to run up to New England minus three, and why not get it at plus one? I see this game, and I'm going to allude to this game because I actually talked to you about this allude. game. Well, let's get <laughs> Allude away. Go ahead. The Green Bay Packers last week, that line got to three. And it got there in a hurry, and then it sat there at three. Vegas got killed on that game last week. Money came all one way. They didn't move off the three to create an even bigger mess for themselves, but they started adjusting the VIG on on the minus three. I can see this happening very easy in this game, and I will say we're going to, you know, I won't tip my hand yet, but you know which way I'm going on this game. Wait till well, later. Let's, do it. let's get the projection out of the way, then I'm going to try to shoot some holes in it. So uh, you projection first. The Jets are going to win this game on Sunday. I've got the Jets winning it 23-16. to 16. This is going to be my best bet. And this, and this is your free pick each week. You're giving a free video, pick best my bet. My video free pick. And last week's video free pick, Oklahoma crushed Florida State. And somebody in one of these two chairs didn't agree with that. Did you give your projection on this game? Uh, yeah, I already said I didn't it. Hear the score. It was twenty-three sixteen. Go ahead. <laughs> and you know, I think this would be a good point in the All segment. Right, let's not let's not drag this out. Marco <laughs> won a nickel off me. I have it here, ready to go. Make it rain, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about overpaying. I <laughs> right, wait. Yeah. This is going to go through the screen. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay, let's get to it. Now, we actually made, actually, when this game goes, we'll know who won the Saturday bet. We made a bet this week on a college game. Okay, so let's let's talk now. Put this away. So you you intimated to it, but let's let's define it. You want to, you say wait till game time, and and you think you might even be getting three with the Jets. By game time. So your recommendation on when to bet is wait if you like the Jets. Uh, Dustin, you want to, we got our logo messed up back here. You want to get that real quick for us? There we go. Can't miss that. <laughs> All right. So now, let me shoot some holes in this. 
Pats have won 10 of 11 in New York. Does that concern you? Situation of this week I'm looking at. So wait a minute. So you never think about... So you're strictly a fundamental handicapper. You have no trust. I will look. I will look at history, but I will not use it as a. It's very low on my list, on my checklist. But w- w- in this case, this is Bel- You have continuity. You have Belichick. Now you can make the case that you don't have continuity with the Jets. There's been two games uh, with Ryan against Belichick, so maybe you can shoot a hole in it that way. And he's one and one against them. True. We talked about the Monday night overreaction. I agree with that. This is the third time Belichick is seeing the, the Ryan scheme. They did much better the second time against that defense. It seems to me Belichick's the kind of guy that the longer he has to think about something, the worse off the other team is. Does that concern you? It's again, that would be an advantage for New England. The more that you see a new coach, the more familiar you're going to be. Like with a the pitcher tendencies. in baseball, whatever. Absolutely. And Belichick can take advantage of that better than most. I will agree with that. Okay. Now, this is something a little subtle and might have got past you is the Pats played the Bengals last week, and they used many of the same defensive schemes and approach that the Jets do. So almost like it back to baseball, if you have a fastball pitcher and then a curveball pitcher the next day, uh, the contrast causes problems for hitters. In this case, if you're going against a similar type D, that seems to be an advantage for the Patriots. I would agree with that. Okay. Last question. It seems to me that no doubt there's going to be an overreaction to what happened with the Jets. My question is, were they so overrated to start with that the overreaction has just brought them to maybe where they should be? If the Jets would have won last week, I would have been looking to fade them like crazy because I thought they were probably three increments overrated, and then they win. Maybe they go to three and a half or four increments. Now, because, and again, it's funny. I mean, I, I watched that game. It was a close game. I think it was just Sanchez's ineptness that just has such a perception that Jets played so poorly. They could have won that game pretty easily. And some people think Baltimore's the best team in the AFC. I'm not sure it was such a bad reaction but, or a bad result. But the fact that the public has reacted the way that they have, it feels like the Jets have been knocked down a few pegs. But do you really think they're knocked down to the point of being over or, excuse me, underrated? If you listen to the talking heads, the talk shows on the armchair quarterbacks on Tuesday, everybody was talking about, oh, well, I guess the Jets are, you know, the overrated factor, the hard knocks and everything else. So I'm looking at it different. I kind of do things in reverse. And, and to get the contrarian review, you know, approach, you look at the Jets going into that Monday night game, they did have all the pressure on them. Sanchez is a second-year quarterback. They had hard knocks, The you know, HBO following them all around. You had the, all the preseason well, they put people. put the pressure on themselves. So, so I, I'm sorry, you're saying the pressure hurt them and now the pressure's off? I think, if anything, the pressure's even more on because of the fact that, that now it's time they're just put up and they're going to be 0-2. That's the one good point. that Of all the points that you have, the 0-2 factor is the biggest of it. But see, to me, playing on Monday Night Football, you talked about it when we started this. That is the biggest game of the week. It's the most people watching, not only the fans, but all the other teams in the NFL are watching you on Monday night. I agree. Pressure for Sanchez, he had a horrible game. Is he going to have that bad of a game this week? 
I say no. One, he's not going against the Baltimore defense. Even though the Baltimore defense isn't as good as the Baltimore defense of a couple years ago, it's light years ahead of this New England defense. This New England defense still gave up a lot of points last week to Cincinnati. Granted, a lot of it came in garbage time, but all through the preseason, New England was giving up points. I think the Jets will be able to score this week. And on the flip side, the Jet defense is light years ahead of the Bengal defense that New England went against last week. All right, all right. You did win 25 games in a row. I can't lie. I heard that rumor. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) Here's what I think. I think that you're right, the Jets... There's been an overreaction to the negative for the Jets. I think that they were so overrated to start with, it's probably got them right around where it should be. I don't see any great value. I would say a plus three, I like the Jets. It's going to get close to that. I don't know if it will, but I still like the Jets. As long as they're not laying points in this game, it will be my best bet of the week. All right. We've got to give away a coupon. Oh, okay. We better do that quick. All right, so during our um, game of the week, each week, we give away a coupon. Marco, hit it. $10. You can use it to spend however you want. And since we're on video and I'm giving you 10 bucks, coupon is VIDEO10. When you go to the checkout. Just all one word. All one word. And remember, we got our podcast listeners, too. That is true. Just enter VIDEO10. We'll have to do a podcast and then somewhere down the line. But VIDEO10, enter that coupon code at the checkout. You get $10 off whatever purchase you use. You can use that coupon once between now and Monday. Awesome. Okay, now it's your turn to join the conversation in the comments section and talk about this game with Marco and me. And next up, we're going to talk about the battle of the Mannings, the Giants, and the Colts. For free real-time odds, lines, and scores, visit pregamelines.com. Giants at Colts, NBC Sunday Night Football. Marco, what should betters be looking at? Well, what betters are going to be looking at, and it's going to be what's going to be the trap for them, they're going to fall into the trap of what's the chances that the Colts start the season 0-2. And it's a very big handicapping aspect, I think, in the NFL on Week 2. Okay, so let's dig into that quickly in general and then talk about how it applies here. I feel that there's always going to be value, and I'm talking with the good teams, teams that have high expectations coming into the season. you know, no, everybody has ex- expectations. So in pregame forums, I did a list of like eight or so, quote-unquote, good teams own one. And my question was, who's not going to make the playoffs on this list? I think the general consensus was the Falcons weren't, the Bengals weren't, and a lot of people thought the Jets wouldn't. Um, now, you're talking about a slightly different angle, this second game. How do teams deal with it? What I'm talking about is that Vegas knows the public is going to want to back the teams that lost that first game that were expected to be good teams. Because it, you'll see the stat this week. People will put it up on the screen, the networks, how hard it is to make the playoffs if you go 0-2. So with that thought and process, a team like the Colts, who were in a Super Bowl last year, and a lot of people expect a good chance to go back to the Super Bowl, they got to win this game. Or history says they're fighting an uphill battle. So with the public going there, Vegas, I feel, puts an extra point on that team, makes you pay a tariff. Now the question is, is that tariff warranted? Because it seems like as we talk about your handicaps, a reoccurring theme is focus. How focused is this team going to be? 
wouldn't you say that the rationale of the Colts having trouble making the playoffs if they do go 0-2 is something that they're very well aware of themselves, and it's going to cause a very focused performance? Isn't that worth maybe a point? It will cause a focused performance, but also sometimes it causes you to play a game not to lose instead of playing it to win. You play a little bit tighter and don't take chances. Okay, but as a handicapper, if we went back at pregame TV dot oh wait pregame dot TV okay and we looked at the hundreds of videos you've done time and time again you've said this is a big game this is the game they've been waiting for that's why I'm back in Team X if I would have replied wow the fact they've been waiting for it is going to make them nervous how how do you as a handicapper decide when an important game is going to cause a team to focus and perform well and when is it going to cause them to be nervous well. It's clear to me, I've always looked at the must-win factor. And when it's a must-win factor, I'm on the opposite side of the team that's in the must-win. So you think that a big game causes focus that, that, that likely is going to be good performance, but a must-win is what causes nerves? Yes. Now, wouldn't Peyton Manning be about the last guy that's going to be susceptible to nerves the second game of a season? That's true, uh, but... To take my thing one, one step further when we talk about value, if I'm saying that there's value with the other team, we're talking about long-term EV, and I'm going to have value there. Another point that I was going to bring up about these type of teams, with all those teams that are in that situation this week, we talked about teasers and value that the NFL is the best place to have teasers. Most of these teams that are 0-1 are going to be a favorite in week two, especially the ones that are returning home. You're going to get added value. I think that there's extreme value adding the seven-point teaser onto those dogs because now you're taking a line that's already inflated and you're adding seven more points of value to it. Okay, or six or seven or whatever you tease. Okay, so let's say specific in this game now. Um, So what you're saying is you lean Giants. I do. All right, so why don't you give your projection, and I'll give a few thoughts on it. I think this game will go right down to the wire with the Giants winning outright 27-24. I think the Colts will start the season 0-2. Okay, that's a bold statement. Here's something backing that up. The Colts are one of the best road teams in the NFL, not relatively as good at home. They're a better team at home, but usually you should be plus three on the road, minus three at home. Six-point spread. That's not the case with the Colts. Giants are, some would say, a better road team than a home team. One, there's the talk about Manning, the, um, the, the Giants Manning, is, uh, Eli, is, is, has trouble with the wind at, uh, in New York. Now, I'm not sure how that new stadium's treating him. That's something we should think about as the season progresses. They're 23-8 and eight ATS on the road, even after last year's bad. That's a multiple-year record, clearly, mm-hmm. even after last year's bad performance. They are a road team. Colts are a road team. Advantage Giants. Now, does that make sense? Makes sense. All right. And I'm not sure how much this means. They played four years ago because this is almost like the uh, Williams sisters in tennis. It's a rare situation where brothers are playing they both played well last uh, four years ago when they played. Uh, they had four touchdowns between them. Eli had a few interceptions. So if we're getting any indication of what the emotion's going to be here, I think it's probably neutral. All right, do you have any other thoughts on this game? Well, there's a key injury to this game on the Colts' side. Uh, Sanders is out. He, he's going to be out possibly the whole season. And 
it's nothing new for the Colts because he's played one more game than he's actually been injured for in his career. It's 50%, huh? Yeah. And, but this team's not the same team defensively when he's not on the field. So it seems like you could have both the reality of not having him this game, but also the emotional negativity of here's one of the guys that's the difference maker for us out potentially for the year. And you alluded to it last week when we talked about the Houston uh, game, which was a good pick on your part. Kudos to you. Indianapolis got a little bit of offensive line problems. There's, there's not continuity there. And I think this team's going to struggle a little bit. They're gonna, forget about running the ball. If they're going to win Manning, Payton is going to have to throw the ball a lot more than they need to. Uh, and when you throw the ball that much, you're asking for trouble. And plus the defense, if they can not respect the run, they can pin their ears back and try to come at you. And Peyton's not the most mobile guy back there. All right, good stuff. Now it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comments section with Marco and me. Next up, Monday Night Football, we have the Saints at the 49ers. Saints at 49ers, Monday Night Football. This is my best bet, free pick of the week. First, though, Marco, what should betters be looking at? Monday Night, home dog, Super Bowl champs. Boy, old school back in the 80s. This would have been a Monday Night Lock of the Year. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> 49ers home dog. Now, it's interesting that that trend has actually reversed itself where the public caught on to it almost like the NBA zigzag theory, and now it's, it's been 50% or so for numerous years. Uh, so not so much thinking there's value that here just because of a home Monday night dog. Actually, it's Vegas that caught on to it and adjusted the lines rather than the public. Well, see, I disagree with that. Vegas only moves lines when the public makes them move lines. Vegas isn't taking a position nine times out of ten. Now, there's an occasional book offshore that will take a position, but the, the Vegas was coming out. Let's say this game's, what, five now? Is Vegas would come out at six and a half, and they'd bet the thing down, but finally they'd figure out, wait a minute, these home dogs are getting bat. But fair enough. Go ahead. I guess that's one of the old sayings, that's six of one, half dozen of the other, both guys. It's a reaction. Vegas is reacting to the public. The public exactly. is, you know, so many people had made big deals about that home dog and in print and in, you know, as people. But ultimately, I can promise you, the lines makers are not reading, uh, you know, mag magazine X and say, oh, really, that's the trend? The, what they do is smart. They're going to say, listen, I don't know why things are happening, but when they happen, we're going to react to them. Because if not, they'd be really trying to, uh, let's say that there was a trend. I'll give you an example, and this could be a long conversation. We'll avoid that this week. But let's say there's a, a trend that if it's the third straight game <clears throat> west of the Mississippi, blah, 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 and it's 103. Even if Vegas knew that, and even if it was a legitimate trend, they wouldn't account for it in their line unless the public did. Because otherwise, they'd be putting a line out there that would get lopsided action because the public was ignorant of that trend, and, and they really don't want that. They, wanna, they might want to shade it a half point, but they want to split the action. Okay, I will give you that one. All right, fair enough. All right, this game on Monday night, one thing, talking from a scheduling dynamics the Saints got great benefit here. They played Thursday night. They opened the season on Thursday and now have all the way to the following Monday for this game. So looking at it from that regard, huge edge to the Saints in preparation time. 
as far as the 49ers go, I'm absolutely mystified at how bad the score looked last week. The game, if you look at the stats, you try to figure out how Seattle scored as many points as they did. I mean, they didn't have a lot of offense. Uh, they lost 31-6, to but they only gave up 242 yards to Seattle. So you're saying slightly deceiving how many points Seattle put up. Mike Singletary, you know what kind of coach he is. He's a fire, he coaches like he used to play. Fiery, get in your face. And I can tell you, I wouldn't want to be in his practices this week. He is going to be. So that, in your mind, you being a motivational handicapper, that makes you lean 49ers. Makes me lean slightly to the 49ers here. Or at least that, that element. That element of it. And I think that you're going to also get a little bit of value because of how bad. I don't think the Saints looked that great last week against Minnesota, but I think San Francisco in the public's eyes looked very bad. But let's talk about this, because just in the last, when we talk Colts Giants, you said when you have an o- a team expected to make the playoffs, 0-1, the public puts a premium on that team because it feels like a must win. Now you're saying they look so bad that maybe the public's going to overreact to how bad they looked. Which one is it in this case? Because those are two. On one hand, you think they'd be back in the 49ers because you don't think they're going to start 0-2. On the other hand, they're going to be fading the 49ers because they look so bad. In this case, do, they, do those two effects uh, equal out? I don't think they equal out because the public is going to react to what they saw. And what they saw was a very dismal performance by the, the 49ers. Okay. I'm going here, and uh, we can put my projection up. I'm going with the Saints. Best bet, free pick, best bet of the week. It's a pure value play for me. And this is a subtle point, so I'm going to slow down. The public loves new teams, emerging teams. The Jets this year prior to the Monday night game. This is team just made the playoffs last year. A lot of talk, they loved them. Last few years, they've loved the Texans, emerging team. Last year, they were loving the Saints as an emerging team. It seems like Green Bay this year, they, I mean, Green Bay hasn't done a lot yet, but the, their line, they were laying three at Philly last week. They love emerging teams, and they love old-time, long-time high performers, the Patriots, the Colts. The places the public, that middle ground the public sometimes misses, the team that isn't new, isn't long time, but is just playing really well for multiple years. How else can you explain the Saints not even being one of the top three or four favorites to win the Super Bowl? I mean, literally this team just won the Super Bowl. I would say they've had less losses, uh, you know, personnel-wise than most Super Bowl teams. Mm -hmm. And they're like the fifth or so or sixth favorite, or at least they were preseason. They might have tweaked a little bit in the last week. I think, though, you're right. They are laying a healthy number of points here. I feel like they're slightly undervalued. Number two, Peyton, coach for the Saints, is is so good early. All preseason, all offseason, he's coming up with new stuff. His schemes are so advanced that, that I think early in the year, the Saints, just last year they rolled, they tend to roll. I also think 49ers may be a fraud. I think the 49ers fall into that new team category, that sense of, oh, this is going to be their year. Well, geez, Seattle was supposed to be a horrible team. I don't care if that was an even game or not. They got played even. 
you know, on, in the box score and got blown out. What has the 49ers done? I agree they're going to be motivated, but I think you've got a, a slightly underrated team, if you can say that for the Super Bowl team, against a slightly overrated team. That gives me value on the 49ers. Can you contradict anything? You mean value on the Saints. You said oh, I'm value. sorry. Oh, wow. I, yeah, I think fade the 49ers, value on the Saints. Sorry about that. I can't disagree with the, the way you're presenting your case there. I think the reason, one of the reasons the Saints have that public perception that they do, and you're right, they do. The public doesn't believe in the Saints yet. It's because a lot of the times in the last three games that you've seen of the Saints, they've won ugly. They beat Minnesota in the NFC. Listen to me. They beat the Minnesota NFC Championship game. They weren't the best team on the field that day, but they won. They beat Indianapolis. They won the game. They needed to do the trick play, the onside kick. At they the won start. the Super Bowl. One score. It, it was one score, and it came down. <laughs> the Steelers, it's, most of the Steelers' four Super Bowls I, were one score. Or, I'm, actually or, or agree, six Super Bowl. I'm actually agreeing with you, but I'm telling you how public perception. I'm saying it's just it's, I, it's you stupid. Normally, I, I like when teams win ugly because they are undervalued. And this to, team was almost undefeated last year. They were, but... The la- I'm, people well, have short memories. I don't know why. I don't know why they're underrated. I'm not even sure it's important. I just think you're getting a really good team that probably should be amongst the. I mean, the idea that Green Bay has a better chance to win the Super Bowl than them makes no sense to me. I think Green Bay is an up and coming team. I think they. I think they're a great pick for the Super Bowl. I. I think the Saints clearly should be the favorites in the NFC. And the fact they won, again, you know, Minnesota, I thought, played pretty well last Thursday. That does segue into my last point here, and it's, it's a general one. When in week two of the NFL, one game is half of all games, one of two. When you come to the Sunday night game and then the Monday night game, you've been able to see the rest of the teams play their second game. And that can tell you the meaning of the first game that, that the team's playing Sunday, Monday night, their first game, what, what it meant. So, for example, if Seattle gets blown out, you're going to know that before this Monday night right. game. That tells you the San Fran's even worse than you thought. Now, not 100% because there can still be variation, but it's telling you a lot. And vice versa, if Seattle does really well, you're starting to think maybe 49ers aren't so bad. Vikings. So as you look for this Sunday night game and Monday night game, look at who these teams played in week one and see how they do in the 1 o'clocks and 4 o'clocks. And it's going to tell you a lot that, that a lot of betters aren't thinking about. And it's the same thing we talk about in the NCAA tournaments with college basketball is as the tournament progresses and you see how the conferences do, it really speaks to how good these teams are. I think it's very much the case in week two and even week three. I you like that, don't you? It's good, good points. I'll throw one last item out at you, and I don't have numbers to support it, but this, this has been a theory old school. The Super Bowl winner, you back them in week one and you fade them in week two. You know, I, I think there is that emotion. I, I would tend to agree with you, and, and you have a slight point there. I think them being underappreciated is a motivator, and I think being on Monday Night Football is a motivator. But in general, maybe that'd be, in this year, maybe a spot in week three, especially if they play well, to look to fade the Saints. Good stuff. Okay, this is where you join the conversation in the comments section with Marco and me. And this is our last video for this week. We'll be back next week. And remember, you can get all of our videos at pregame.tv. And if you want to listen on iTunes, just go to iTunes and search for pregame.com.